When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. This is a fun episode. I actually sat down with one of a friend of mine who has known me for years, ever since I was a little gal. That's right. I was once a little innocent child and I got to sit down with my friend in his radio studio in Syracuse, New York. But before we get to that, we will be moving our videos over to my Patreon page. So if you want to watch the video for the podcast moving forward, excluding this one because we do not have a video, we did old school podcast recording, but everyone from now on will be on my Patreon page. So join my fan page, patreon.com forward slash Peluso, And you can watch the videos there as well as other exclusive content. Thank you so much ahead of time for your support. And if you also want to check out clips and things that I post on YouTube or posting comedy and things like that you can go to my youtube page youtube.com forward slash jesse Mapaluso. and as always thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast it means the world to me and i read your messages a lot of you contact me about the grief survival guide episodes and what they mean to you and it i'm reading them and i hear you and i appreciate you and if you'd like to send me email you can send it to jesse Mapaluso comedy at gmail.com thank you so much and last but not least if you have time Please rate and review the podcast right on the Apple iTunes app. Let us know your favorite episode. Let us know your favorite guest. Also, if you want to email me guest options or who you'd like to see me interview, topics, anything like that, Comedy at gmail.com. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, this is a special episode. We go down memory lane with someone who's known me for a very long time and who also was friends with my father. And we tell a lot of funny stories about my dad. And I really hope you guys enjoyed this interview about my life, about growing up in Syracuse and about my father with the host of Gomez and Company in the mornings on TK99 in Syracuse, New York from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard. Please welcome Mr. Glenn Gomez Adams. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully, you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss comedy how hard it is to make it in this biz i'm a fucking professional each week it's something different sometimes i have a guest host sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode sometimes i just ramble about the bullshit i dealt with the week before you never know what you're gonna get it's raw uncut and funny it's me i hit the button we're Are we recording. recording we're recording is it weird to have essentially it's my podcast but i'm in your studio it is it's kind of who's driving the ship <laughs> uh, Two you know, captains. I'm just pushing the buttons here, and I'm watching to make sure that the waves are going into the cool edit system, and I'm just making sure that it runs. But it's your show, Jesse Mapaluso. How long <laughs> have I known you? Like, when do you 
remember having met me because you you've known you knew my dad for a long time. I absolutely. So how did you know my dad? Let's start there. Uh, f- through you know the late great Mike Goss. And Tell everyone who Mike Goss. Mike Goss, was. local comedian. He worked for the city. Uh, that was his main job. But uh, Mike Goss did stand-up comedy locally. And he really just kind of led the way for a lot of the local guys to get on stage anywhere. He just he really did. He did. He you know he started shows. He knew every restaurant owner in town. He knew every waitress or waiter in town. Every bartender in town. And he would just book his own shows. And then he would get us, me, you know, Moody McCarthy, Nick Mara, you know, all the guys that I know would work with him at the like the Spaghetti Warehouse every Wednesday <laughs> night. He had. He had, a, he had a comedy show. Tom Anzalone. Yeah, Tom Anzalone. <laughs> and Tom's from Pittsburgh, but moved up here many, many years ago. But um, Mike was, the, you know, it, it's weird. I could never picture Mike in like a traditional comedy club setting, like going to like a Funny Bone or some of the more traditional comedy places, because his style was just so like hyper local to that crowd. Yes. In that venue and he could go on for a couple hours just yakking with people in in the whole north side you know he grew up on the north side and lived there his whole life but uh mike was as a closure at shows that i opened for him as strong as anybody yeah just commanding a microphone and just kind of bulletproof up there of just you know he'd go on and do 10 minutes before he did any material you know it was one of those kind of guys uh, and everybody loved it. At the end of the show, just people were in line to give him hugs yes. and, and get pictures with him. Just a, a good soul, just a good, good-hearted guy. And I have so many just stories working with him in bizarre. You know, I'll just do I'll tell you a, a, a quick one here. Down, uh, he had we had two shows. He had two shows. That it was an Italian restaurant down in Philadelphia. I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but I drove down and we'd have to stop like every oh wait get off here i gotta get some uh, phone phone cards it's like for what like you know the prepaid phone cards i just they're cheaper in pennsylvania it's like okay so it would take like eight hours to get to philadelphia <laughs> just because he'd stop every exit when we get to the the restaurant and the guy who is organizing the promoter is a local guy named pickles i don't even know his real name to this day pickles and, you know, and Mike had tracks. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so Pickles, we get to the Italian restaurant and Pickles comes over and, and, and he says, hey, guys, got some good news and some bad news. You know, it's supposed to be two shows. First show sold out. Second show, you know, it's not didn't sell. So I had to cancel that one. So it's only one show instead of two. For me, I didn't care because I was getting 75 bucks and in, in spaghetti dinner. Right. But for Mike. You know, it's a big chunk a, of money. It's a big chunk of money. So he was, you know, a little upset because, you know, he could have stayed here in Syracuse, gotten a gig that made more than driving all the way to Philadelphia. And, and Pickles was like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you guys. I'll take care. I promise you. Just do the show. So we do the show. And it was fine. Uh, and now it's like maybe 10 o'clock at night. And then, then we eat. We finish our, our, you know, our spaghetti dinner. And then the Pickles says... Meet me out back. You know, and he just leaves. And I look at Mike. He says, meet him out back where? He says, I don't know. Just go get in the car. We'll go meet him out back. So shady. So, yeah, oh, yeah. So I pull around the back. It's like there's barbed wire fence. It's a part of Philly. I don't know Philly, but it was. it's a part of Philly I wouldn't go to <laughs> on my own. 
But we're in this alleyway, and you know, Mike Goss is in the passenger side. I'm driving his big Buick, and there's a truck, like a U-Haul rental van truck in front of us. And then the guy turns his lights on and off, like in the movies. Like like a Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. And, you, know, and, you guys and are going to die. Yeah. And, and I said, what's, he says, I, I, flash him back. So I, <laughs> I flashed back the lights. So then he gets out. I see Pickles get out of the driver's side. He's like this little chunky little bald-headed guy. And he gives Sounds me like a pickle. Yeah. So he gives me a little arm wave like that, like, follow me. You know, it's, just, it's dark in Philly. I've never met this guy. And I said, what do I do? And he says, well, get out of the car. He wants you to follow. <laughs> what do I do? I, all right. All right. So I'm leaving the car running and the door open. So I walk to the front of the van and there's Pickles. And he goes, come around the back of the truck with me. You know, I look, you know, so Mike can see me and, and Mike's giving me the universal sign. Yeah, go, go, go. Just go. <laughs> oh so I go around the back of this U-Haul van and he opens up the garage door thing and he goes, get in. You know, and I, I, I again, I, I, I lean around so Mike can see that I'm getting it. So I, I wanted to tell him, if I don't come out of here, you got to call the cops or something. I have no idea what's going on here. So I get in the back. You of, get in? I get in the back of the van. Go, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you still with us? He turns, he turns a light on and the entire U-Haul truck is filled with jars of pickles. That's it. His nickname is Pickles. He supplies <laughs> restaurants and bars in Philadelphia with pickles. So he's, and he goes, I feel awful about canceling the gig. Take whatever you want. What, what like you're going to take a, 20 jars of pickles? I did. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> so I started, whatever, I, I brought like this armload of five-gallon jars of pickles. And I go back to the car, you know, and the, Mike opens the door. He reaches over because I can't. He goes, what's that? And I said, we're getting paid in pickles tonight. That's what he had back there. He said, Are you kidding me? He said, no. I said, that's why he wanted to go back there. So Pickles gets back in the van and just backs up and takes off. And this is pre-cell phone so that you could call and complain. But we drove all the way to Philadelphia, did a great <laughs> comedy show and got paid in pickles. <laughs> Wait, the- Mike didn't get any cash? Not nothing, <gasps> not a dime. We got paid in pickles. <laughs> I, and you know, this story is all too common amongst performers. I feel it's isolated for stand-up comedians to get paid yeah. in things other than actual tendered cash. Uh-huh. I I did this gig once in in Brooklyn. I think it was Bushwick, maybe or Flatbush, and it was at a bar, and the, nobody was paying attention. Okay, so it wasn't like a a fancy gig or like any real professional gig but it still was a gig it's a gig there were like four or five comedians so at the end of the night they go to pay me and they're like well we kind of ran out i was like ran out of what <laughs> they're like ran out of money and i was like okay so you never were planning on paying me like you don't run out of money you have a budget <laughs> like that's how adults handle yeah. money here's the budget for the show there's a budget for the show and you don't run out <laughs> so the guy hands me a tray of hot dogs he goes well i got this <laughs> i'm like <laughs> Okay, so should I, should I just take one? He goes, take whatever you want. I took all the hot dogs. <laughs> See, well, fuck you. I'm taking every hot dog. <laughs> if that's if that's what's being offered, no like... one's eating tonight. <laughs> then when rent came, I just I kept the hot dogs and I just handed them to my landlord. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out. That's all I got. <laughs> I ran out. I will <laughs> start using that in all my all aspects of life. <laughs>
<laughs> Mike but, was so magical. I, I always remembered him. Mike Goss coached softball with my dad. Really? Yeah, at Lemoyne Elementary on I the north side of that. Syracuse. Yes, they were they were coaches together. And it was girls ages to like five to like 15. So it was a mixed league and it was meant to be fun. And obviously yeah. if a five-year-old's playing against a 15-year-old, not a lot of competition. Yeah. We're doing this for like intramural. But my father, I don't know if you remember, he had such a hot-blooded Sicilian temper he sometimes. He sure did. He got booted out of the game like every game <laughs> by umpires because he was swearing and being vulgar. He's like, what the fuck kind of call was that? And there's like six-year-olds like, oh my God. <laughs> Parents are like, who is this beast? My dad got like <laughs> ejected from the games for being vulgar in front of like six-year-olds. Everyone's crying. It was just so uh, so funny. I remember that. And I also remember Mike Goss, back to the comedy thing, my introduction to stand-up and even knowing that it was a possibility, besides watching comedy specials, which I feel came after I met Mike because Mike was always in my life because he knew my dad. Uh-huh. They were friends from before I was born. So I, I knew Mike before. And my introduction, introduction to stand-up was watching him at Spaghetti Warehouse. Uh-huh. And and also Mike's breakfast after you guys would come back from the weekends. Yes. So tell everybody about that. Do you remember where it was? Where would you guys have breakfast? It was it for a while. The first time I started to go to the breakfast, it, I think it was Stella's before Stella's moved. It was in a little spot like on Seventh uh, North Street. Yes, I think. And then Stella's obviously built their new restaurant, but this was. The old little place, but then it kind of rotated. We'd go to the like Pete's Rise and Shine, uh, up uh, off like of like two ninety eight. Yeah, yep, up near Carrier. Yep, uh, and then we'd go That's to Carrier Circle for all of you yep. outsiders. <laughs> we used to have, be a booming city. Yes, we did. <laughs> We're coming back, baby. All the cool things around here are named after businesses that aren't here anymore, <laughs> <laughs> like GM Circle, Carrier Circle, the ghost of Christmas past <laughs> of everyone who left us. Yep, Syracuse is a city of being left. That's it. Companies leave us all the time. They leave, but we keep calling them, you know, it's up till recently, it was still the Carrier Dome. That's right. And they left 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's like somebody who can't let go of that love. Yes. Uh, And then it would be like Friend's Diner. That's right. Remember Friend's Diner? um, There was three or four. Once in a while, it was Reggie's, which was in Liverpool at the bowling alley. I remember that. I think I Um, went to almost every spot except for like early on. I'm sure you did. And I was like... I was a young girl. Oh, yeah. I was like in my preteens up into you my teens. Like, I want to say probably like 11 or 12 yes. is my first recollection of you at, at the breakfast. And then uh, with your dad, who almost every week went to the wrong place at first. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you a funny insert. Don't forget where you're going with that. Full circle when my dad died. <laughs> <laughs> the coroner brought him to the wrong funeral. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Tell me that's not full circle. That's Even beautiful. in his death, he can't find out where to go. <laughs> but yeah, so he wouldn't show up into the right place. Sounds like him. Yep, and he would get there a half hour late. It's like, we're, I thought we were at Friends this week. It's like, you know, Mike would like call these guys the day before a moose and all, you know. Moose. <laughs> I never yeah, moose. Moose. Wow. Well, and that, he was another big guy. Another big guy, and he looked like a mobster. He did. He looked like, and I can never remember the the, the, the actor's name, but always played that 
mobster guy. And it was yep. a guy who maybe during his younger life was like a, a New York City cop, retired, and then went into acting. That's who Moose looked like. Yep. And with uh, with your dad, who would also, we'd, you know, we'd get together for like Kentucky Derby Day or any of the big horse race days. That's right. He loved that. He OTB loved, was he like did. his part-time house but you, you know your dad he would come in every and he have all the papers you know the newspaper and he's <laughs> taking his notes and he's i don't know my brother gave me a tip on uh you know, <laughs> louis louis gave him tip louis, not one of his tips like ever even came close like he'd bet on louis tip and it would come in like ninth <laughs> <laughs> my dad was the most unlucky man <laughs> He, you know what him and my uncle Louie did? Because gambling is like a part-time job for people in, in yeah. these, these parts. Sure. And so my uncle Louie told my dad to keep all of his lotto tickets because when you hit big, you, you, <laughs> like you it's can deduct them. You can deduct them. When my dad died, we had bread bags filled with loser loser lotto tickets waiting for the big hit yeah people are like what'd your dad leave you in his will he left us a bill <laughs> we were left with a tab <laughs> and loser lotto tickets well another gambling story with your dad as long as we're talking about it i think i've shared this with you before but we, it was a i can't remember the years early 2000s there was a new discount airline that was coming to Syracuse and it was called Trans Meridian, I think is the name of it. Anyway, one of their big selling things was they had a direct nonstop flight from Syracuse to Las Vegas. So they wow. were Yeah. And I it, kind of it, I remember hearing about this. Yeah. And it was it was great. You know, you left here at eleven AM in Syracuse and because of the time change, by the time you landed in Las Vegas it was nine AM. Oh plenty of time no to stop. lose your wife's savings. Yeah. Because it's like an extra day. <laughs> yeah. So it was a radio station thing, and we brought a bunch, like a plane load of listeners, to Las Vegas. Oh like, my gosh! Gave away a spot. Once they're in Las Vegas, they could that that were on their own, like stay wherever you want. But the flights, we we're giving them away on the radio. So I show up at one of the breakfasts like <laughs> three weeks before, and Moose and your dad and, and Mike are sitting there, and then Moose goes, <laughs> "We're going," <laughs> and I did, and I didn't know what he's talking about. Going where? He goes, "We're going. We're going to Las Vegas." And I still didn't make the kind of say, oh, that's good for you. When are you going? He goes, well, we're going with you. You know, who's we? You know, and then your dad's sitting there, so well, me and Joe. <laughs> so, you know, well, how are you getting? So, well, we bought a plane ticket. You know, they didn't win it, but you could buy a plane, you know, ticket. Mm -hmm. And they were cheap. There was like a hundred bucks, whatever it was back in the time to, to do this. Gosh. So, like, wow. I said, well, that's cool. So, I said, well, where are you guys staying? Well... I thought we'd be staying with you. These scam artists. <laughs> these scam artists. Moochers. Like, are you kidding me? So but my dad was the biggest <laughs> mooch. <laughs> Such they're, a mooch. Just telling me they're they're coming and they're staying with me. And I don't, you know, so <laughs> when we get to Las Vegas and we're we're staying at the Luxor, you know, the pyramid. Oh yeah. Whatever. The beam that shoots into the universe's yeah. taint. That the, yeah. <laughs> the one you can see from the space shuttle yeah. or whatever. Which has anyone corroborated that? No. Uh, how would you prove it otherwise? Yeah. Just take their word for it. Right. You just like, one astronaut has a thumbs up. Yep. It's like I can see the light from here. It's like <laughs> it's on the internet. You got to be true. real. So I tell the guy, it's like I'm gonna need an extra bed in there. It turns out there's gonna be three in the room. <laughs> you, you, know, <laughs> you are so fucking gullible. <laughs> You're too nice. <laughs> 
So they, we all go up and get my. So this was say Friday. So Friday afternoon, we're just we're just walking around having a good time. You know, place to place. Not a lot of hardcore gambling, but just you know, roulette wheel here, slot machine there. Next day, Saturday, your dad wants to bet on the Syracuse Notre Dame football game. So you could probably Google find out exactly when this was because it was in the Carrier Dome. Uh, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Notre Dame was, I don't know if they were actually favored, anyway, but your your dad was convinced Syracuse was going to lose the game. So he went to the ATM, gets $200 out, mm. goes to the sports book, puts it on Notre Dame to win the game. Oh, Jesus. So, But it's three hours different, so it's 9 a.m. in Las Vegas. The game was at noon, I think, or early afternoon in Syracuse. Uh, so... Syracuse actually won the game, so your dad was out two hundred bucks. And not only that, his bank ATM only allows him to take two hundred dollars a day out of the account, <laughs> so he doesn't have a dime left for the entire day. <laughs> Game's over at noon, you know, Vegas time, and we got a whole day and all <laughs> night. And he was just so pissed, and he just he went back to the room. He never came out of the room. And like Moose and I would call him like every couple hours from wherever we were, put me, yeah, put me through to this room. Said, Joe, what are you doing? I'm just sitting here. Said, well, well, come on. I mean, we'll buy a beer or whatever like that. No, no, screw it. I'm done. Whatever. So stubborn. Stubborn. And then the next day, Denny came out of the room and we had some fun. But when I had to go settle up on the bill. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. I don't even want to know. So, oh, God, what was it? So I go to pay the bill. The room is... Uh, been paid for because it was part of a promotional thing, but you know you have to leave a credit card for incidentals. Well, if Joe Peluso's in the room. <laughs> it's going to be a real tragic incidental. I'm looking at the bill. And I'm going. I th- the incident. We didn't even get any room service, whatever. So they printed it out, and I'm looking at it, and it's you know that whole day that your dad was in my hotel room, with porn, 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 <laughs> pizza, porn, pizza. <laughs> He spent like two hundred dollars on porn and pizza. So what I'm hearing is my dad's a legend. He's like, a loser so, legend. It's like, Joe, how could you do that? I would never charge porn on a room that wasn't under my name. Were you dying? I wasn't really pissed, but I was like, "What the frig? How do you do that to somebody?" Wasn't that how he was though? Wasn't he just like almost like not aloof, but he just oh, did yeah. I don't know how to how would you describe it? Because he's my dad, so it's a different perspective. And I don't think he was aloof. No, he, you know, he was like when he was younger, because I didn't know him when he was younger, but he's the kind of guy when if we were the same age and we're going out to the bars at that time. Right, because he was o- older than you. Yeah. Like o- like 15 years? Yeah. You know. At least? At least, maybe more. Maybe more, yeah. But I would have hung because he was he was fun. He was free-spirited. He was, you know, kind of happy-go-lucky in a way, to me anyway. Like, you know, the, the stuff about going to the wrong diners because it wasn't important to him. You know, like right. his brain was filled with what other, what would have been important to him. Right. Which I don't know what it was. <laughs> Porn and pizza. That's pizza obviously. Porn. Pizza. We know. But no, yeah, I agree. It wasn't aloof. Just a good-hearted guy, you know. And after all, sudden, like the part of the fun of those breakfasts with you know picking racehorses for the Kentucky Derby and, yeah. and, and whatever 
was just listening to these guys argue back and forth about why that's not going to win or that's a horrible bet or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was all laughs. It was. it was fun. I remember it, a lot of shit talking. I remember being like sitting there and not really understanding everything, but knowing that I was intrigued that these people, you guys, and I was the only, usually the only girl, unless Jessica came, which she rarely did. Yeah. Once, you're right. Once in a while. Once in a while, there'd be a, a woman there. Yep. But it was usually just me and you guys. Yep. Not that I was there every Sunday, but I went a handful of times. I do remember thinking, how they get to leave? Like, you guys got to leave Syracuse and come back, and then you had money? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where did you, in my mind, I was like, where did everybody go and how? So this is a career? It's a you career. guys leave your lives. Yeah. And get a break from this town, and then you come back. And I was always so intrigued by that. And it's it's so funny to think how that might have influenced, it must have influenced me to do what I do. It had to. Well, at one point you had gone to Boston first, I think. I did. And I think maybe it was part of an improv group or something. Because I remember afterwards thinking that that's, that's, in hindsight, the best route to take, I think. I think Now, kind of having done a little bit of both, because it gets you in front of a, a crowd, it gets you... As part of a team, the pressure's not all, not all on you. Yeah. It's a group effort. Yep. And you get comfortable in front of people and a microphone and lights or whatever is a part of it. Yeah. As opposed to the other way around. Because when you just get up there, stand up on a stage, it's brutal. It's, it is. It's not... People think... I think that it's easier than it is. The good ones make it look easy. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to make it look effortless and seamless. Without that's all a doubt. consideration. That's all mathematical. Yes. It's, it's brutal. And it's, it's, you know, it's live without a net. I mean, it's, you're up there and there's, it a, is. there's an adrenaline rush to it. You know, even if it's not going well, you're still up there and it kind of, you, you're working for it. Yes. You know? <laughs> but and, you're, and you sometimes you're sweating and you're like, I don't want them to see me sweat. <laughs> you just feel that one trickle. Go down your back and you're like, oh, you better stay back there. You better not show up on my upper lip or my forehead like Whitney Houston sweat. You better stay in the back. Like good church girl sweat. Stay back there. No, what's the, like, in the past, even a couple years, because early on, everybody has, you know, nights or t- it takes a while to get it to figure it out. To yeah, get, it You'll find your voice, to find your comfort zone or whatever it might be. They say 10 years. Is that what it is? That's like the I, going rate. I agree. And that's 10 years of working it. Working it's it. It's not like, you know, once every six months doing an open mic. I mean, right. this is like watching yourself back on tape, getting oh, pointers God. from people, having other comics maybe give you notes if you want them. Mm-hmm. It's 10 years of that until you get comfortable and where you get on stage and you're pretty sure it's going to go well. But having said all that, what's one, like the last couple of years that just didn't? Like there a any show? Of those? Oh, God. <laughs> for whatever, maybe, you know, it might've been the crowd, they were loaded or maybe the, you know, uh, the microphone wasn't working or whatever. There is, there's been a couple, there's been more shows lately where when I, I don't have the same feeling that I've had consistently with stand up. I think, I think quarantine and, and pandemic changed everything for everybody in so many different ways. And for me, the shows have been challenging because it, well, we're going to come to this book. I'm in a creative shift. So I'm, I'm letting go of things that I used to fall back on and revert to and tricks I've learned. Uh-huh. And I'm stepping into what I actually want to talk about. And so it's this deviation from everything I've done into something 
that I have worked on, but it's slowly become more prominent, if that makes sense. Sure. So like all the old jokes and things that I used to find funny and topics I want to talk about, no, I don't connect to them anymore. So it's hard to switch overnight. So there has to be a gradual yeah. change. And so because of that, because I'm in this like, um, this shift, this like pivotal moment creatively, I've had an, a different approach when I'm on stage where I feel not like I don't care, but I'm, fi- I'm finding new footing. Uh-huh. So it feels new again. And it feels like I'm g- trying to get my momentum in a different space. So I've had challenging nights because of that, because uh-huh. I'm trying to, um, I'm shifting away from stuff that you've done, stuff that I've done. And I think like losing your parents or losing people that puts everything into perspective. Absolutely. It makes you grow up fast. Yep. So, um, so all that having been said, you, when we were speaking last week, you told me about this book that I didn't know about. And I've, I have many, well, a few books by George Carlin. Cause he was one of my favorites. My dog's name after him, Carlin, but you gave me this book. It's called last words. It's a memoir about George Carlin. And you said that it's, well, well, tell me what, just a little bit without giving it all away, what this memoir is about. It's. Because uh, I think it has to do with what we were speaking absolutely. about. Absolutely. It, it's his, you know, it's his memoir. So it goes back to him being a kid and how he got into doing comedy and his friends back in New York City. And really, it, it's truly his life story. And then how he got into comedy. Uh, but then a big part of the book in the memoir is his pivot. Like you were just talking about for you in that. In the 60s and early 70s, he was pretty successful already. You know, he was on the the Johnny Carson show all the time. He was the, you know, the hippy-dippy weatherman was, you know, one of his yeah. things from back oh in the gosh. day. Uh, and, you know, the, the the daytime show, you know, Mike Douglas show. Just some of those generic kind of fun, easy chat shows right. that were safe, popular. Safe. Clean. Yep. And he was on all those shows, and it helped his career. And he was in Las Vegas. He had a regular show. He's making, you know, pretty good money at the time. But he reached a point where he just says, you know what? It's not what I want to do anymore. Uh, I, this is what I, like you were just saying, here's, this is, as I get older, this is what I want to focus on now. This is, I want to talk about this stuff. Right. And not, you know, the necessarily G-rated stuff that's going to be on The Tonight Show. And he started to make that shift and it didn't go well at first. And places that hired him, they'd hired, they thought they hired the old George Carlin. Yeah. So he'd get on stage and nobody got it. And it was, you know, it wasn't G rated either. You know, it was all of a sudden it was the George Carlin that we've come to kind of know in his, you know, later years. So people, nobody was laughing, nobody was clapping. After the show, people would be like, what was that? <laughs> like, where's. Who are you? Who are you? What's the, we, we hired George Carlin. You know, the the weatherman, you know, that stuff, the sports reporter, yeah. you know. And he said, I'm sorry, that's not that's not who I am anymore. This is this is my act. And and it was uncomfortable. And one of the stories that it relates in there is his he and his wife had just bought a house in San Francisco, I think, anywhere, somewhere out in, in California, LA or San Francisco, but it was right when he was making the shift and it wasn't gonna go well, and he knew it wasn't gonna go well for a while. And he said one of the hardest conversations that he had to have with his wife was, we can't buy the house because I'm, I'm going to do this and it's not going to go well for a while. Shit. So she, you know, she trust, you know, it's okay. You know, I, that's, I trust you. Right. Yeah. I trust that you know yourself 
So, so they had to pull out. He said it was her dream house. It was the house he'd worked for and saved for, and he had to pull the plug on it. And those are like big, putting on the big boy pants decisions that are hard. And betting on yourself. And, and Exactly. And knowing yourself and betting on yourself and say, this is going to work. I know this is going to work, but you're going to have to trust me on this. So that's when he made that switch. In one of his big comedy albums, and I should know the name of it, and I don't right now, but it's, a, I can't remember if it's a double album or a side A, side B. Complaints and Grievances? Maybe. Oh, but yeah. It's, it's, when it, it's about the whole switch. Side A Ooh. is the old, I'm going to use an air quotes, George Carlin. Side B is, this is the new George Carlin. So it's Writing like, it down. Yep. And if I can, we'll find the name of it here at some point. But that's what that album is about. Old George, flip it over, New George. And, and it's in the book. You'll see, you'll, I just don't remember the name of it there. But it's a move that, it, in a lot of comics that I know, it's hard. You know, especially you get to your, your success or your comfort zone and it's working. Yeah. So you're like, well, why would I change this? Right. But people are people and you change. You get older and things are more important to you. Than they used to be. Right, exactly. And you want to... And you're more authentic, you're more comfortable. Yes. That's the thing, like being... Yes. Fi figuring out who you are. I think we're always on a pursuit of discovering who we are. I don't think that's something that's ever completely set in stone. I think we're always evolving and discovering new things about ourselves. Hopefully, I don't ever want to be to a place where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fully actualized. I always want to grow. But I think when you become an adult and you have some sort of semblance of your, what your authenticity is... That's a, that's exactly where I am. I, I am naturally an introverted person. I'm comf I'm so comfortable being alone. Uh -huh. I like being home alone. I it's fun. It's great, <laughs> but it doesn't match the aesthetic. No, it doesn't. Doesn't match the gig. And I'm uh, you know that's interesting because his shift, our shifts are inverted. Like my, I'm going away from. I, I despise when people call me a raunchy comic. Maybe when I started out, yes, but there's a little bit more nuance and subtleties and and um, uh, a, a meaning and significance behind what I'm talking about, even though some of it is salacious. Sure. But I'm shifting away from that into more deeper topics. Like I talk about my dad on stage, Alzheimer's and death and love and all of that. So real stuff, real stuff, stuff that I care about, stuff that I, you know, have been in the that's been in my world. That's been the prominent thing in my world. So it's. That's what it is. It's like stepping into your authenticity and, and shifting away from placating. Yes. Yeah, it, it, that's, and it, 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 as you're describing that, I'm thinking of another story from uh, Dennis Miller when he was younger and mm. doing his stand-up. And, he, and he was, when he figured out his authenticity, all right, here's who I am and here's what I'm going to be on stage, he would go into a venue, maybe not necessarily a comedy club, and you've done like, the one-night, one-off kind of shows in the hotel, conference rooms, sports bars that are trying to do a comedy night, whatever it might be. <laughs> and he would go in, and he would, you know, he'd have his black suit on. He knows his thing. This is who I am. But he'd go in knowing it was going to fail, just looking at the, the venue, looking at the crowd. Yeah. And he said early on he would change who he was on stage in order to make it work for that crowd. Right. But he said, ultimately, it didn't help my growth at all because I'm just changing every night to fit the crowd because as a comic, you want that validation and the laughter, but it doesn't help you 
when you're trying to define yourself, it doesn't do any help. It doesn't no. do any good. So this is kind of like George Carlin. It's like, you know, he reached that point. It's like, you know, this is who I am and people will find me. The people who Your want, people, yeah. yes, who Your want tribe. to listen to me and, and watch me and read whatever, they'll find me. But until then, it ain't going to be pretty. And I give guys that can do that so much credit because, you know, going up on stage. Like we said. And already knowing and say, you know what? And, go well. and people <laughs> having a certain expectation. And then, yeah. you know, it's almost, I feel like that's almost more difficult in a, in a unique way where people have an expectation of what you're going to deliver them. And when you don't, I would think you'd be met with anger, confusion. Yeah. At least if you're going up and people have no preconceived notion, you can start with a blank canvas and you don't That's have true. emotions going into it from the audience. Yeah. They're just not on your page yet. As, as opposed to them being pissed that you weren't the previous page. Yeah. Why did you flip? Like, why are you different now? I, I brought on my friends. Like, you know, you know, I was telling them about or your act, and they're, and they're all here, but you didn't do any of that. Well, where's that stuff? Yeah, where's that guy? Well, that's who I wanted to see. Right. And, and you know, I had a, I, I had a big epiphany. I, I was doing, um, I was home, and I was um, just doing some work, like re- working and getting rid of my comedy notes in this process of cleaning out and evolving. And I realized I made a whole career out of a survival mechanism. Making people laugh. Okay. And, and it's, yeah, that is an it's, epiphany. It's it's similar to like, I think what George Carlin must have gone through where you figured out how to be funny, but it wasn't necessarily true to how you felt. It was something you learned to do to yeah. create the environment around you to make it amenable to, 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 uh-huh. to you. Because it was, you know, I grew up in a little bit of a chaotic household sure. and in you know my dad wasn't always the most emotionally available guy he was a great father but it was a challenging household so i think i learned how to be funny to adapt the environment to make it so that it wasn't so chaotic to uh-huh. be like the peacekeeper and then it i got attention and so it just continued on so it wasn't necessarily that um i was stepping into this learning how to be funny and being uh, speaking from like an authentic space. I was doing it to cope. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. So, and I, I had that realization as an adult. I was like, Oh, this, cause I'm like, why am I shifting? What, what am I experiencing right now? Besides like your own growth and evolution. And okay. My parents have passed. I'm going through grief. I, I'm aware of all that stuff, but something's different here. Uh-huh. And, and re- I'm like, why am I having this like static relationship to stand up? What is it? Like what, what isn't clicking? And I was just like, Holy fuck. Yeah, I'm funny, but I, I, it was a way to survive in my house. It was a way to survive in the That's world. That's true. No, a peacekeeper is a good word for that. Right. I think it's how you would deal with it. And like, are you a middle child? I'm a youngest. A youngest? Of four. So I was a middle child. Oh boy. So, you know, just born peacekeeper. So, right. you, so as a middle child, that's kind of like what you do, <laughs> you know, older brother, younger sister fighting. So you just, the humor would kind of help smooth all that out. You, <laughs> you know, were like the, you were like the uh, mitigator. Yeah. I was the mitigator. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of middle, middle children, I think that have that kind of whatever, you know, you feel like that's your job. I can, I'm like the peacekeeper. I can attest to that. I know a couple middle stand-up comedians who are middle children, and they have that. That's their thing. That skill. Yeah. And it's interesting because 
I think, you know, the attention part of it, like being a funny kid is, it's a dangerous thing because you become the jester for adults. Yeah, that's true. Like a circus clown. Yeah, you become like, oh, the Smiths are over. Do the thing. My parents would ask me (laughs) to do, I would do impressions, but I was just copying like the specials I watched, you know, prior and, you know, you know, Robin Williams. Yeah. But George Carlin, I was just copying them and doing characters. But, you know, my parents were like, do the thing, do the thing. I was like, oh, so this is how you make people. This is laugh. how you get people to, to feed you. Uh-huh. This is how you get people to pay attention to you. So that's that was like uh, an epiphany for me. And that's where I'm at, like creatively. So this book should be interesting to read. It's it's very good. I mean, it's just there's some cool stories that I'd never heard. Obviously, I never read this first time I read that book. And I haven't I think the last one of his that I Red was brain droppings. Yeah, I have that. Which is just kind of like random stories where this, where this is like chronological, like you know, from being a little kid, and and it explains a lot of him too, like the way you just explain for you being a kid and how you're drawn to humor and what that did for you. And George Carlin has similar stories about how he, you know, worked his way up through and how it became his thing. Interesting. Yeah, but it's good. It's it's a good book. I um I can't wait to read it. I had I, I wrote some notes down, and I thought. Are you originally from Syracuse? I'm, you know, I, I didn't was, think you were. I was born in Saranac Lake up in the Adirondack in the Mountains. Lake. Wow, was your yep. mom a fish? The water birth. Yep, just one of those. <laughs> <laughs> a water birth. A water birth. That was quick. <laughs> Still got it. But we moved here when I was a kid. I grew up in Marcellus. You know, okay. we moved from there. I was, you know, six years old. So I grew up in this area. So you're, you're, I can consider you a Syracuse. I'm a Syracuse. So I was trying to do this with my fans uh, to describe Syracuse in three words to people who've never been here. Um, uh, gray. That's <laughs> the sky. Not a great start. No <laughs> book a flight, book your return book, flight. Yeah, immediately. Get out. Get, it's, uh, well, you know, you grew up it's here too. It's, it is the sky, you know, geographically to Lake Ontario. Uh, it's because the, cla- the 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 winds come from that direction. It's, it's cloudy here often, right? And I think that people who live here are a reflection of that grayness. There's a lot of gray in this town. That's a very diplomatic way it's of a- calling people assholes. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start calling people gray who gray. I consider assholes. You're such a gray. <laughs> and yeah, they won't know. You're but a gray guy. You're gray. It's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, thank you. You're gray. Uh, see. Let's see, three words for people f- for Syracuse. Um, so we got gray. Gray. But see, good-hearted is two words, but people are that here, I think. I agree. There's a, there is a, a closeness, and I think the, the just the makeup of the city with, you know, Irish on the west end and Italians on the north end and Germans also on the, the north side, that... Sounds like another Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> the dearly departed too. Yeah, but so good, good-hearted. But that's is that hyphenated? Is that count as one we word? We can consider that one word. Gray, uh, good-hearted. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, gray could also apply. It's you know the the average age in in Syracuse yes, is getting is older. Older demographic. That's an older sure. demographic. Yeah, so watch gray, out for the ice. So that could be two. You know, gray for the clouds. And great for the a double entendre. Double entendre. Uh, good-hearted. Um, man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, 
we you know drink a lot. Yes. That's that drunk. would be so gray goodhearted drunks. Yes, gray goodhearted drunks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. That's I think it's ac- relatively accurate. I definitely had gray on the mind for how to describe Syracuse. And then I was thinking like the best and worst of Syracuse. Now when I think of the best of Syracuse, I think of I think of the fair. Yep, I like it. Tri-state uh-huh. fair, huge fair. Uh-huh. Uh just something I would look forward to every year as a kid. Uh-huh. Two weeks of pure people watching debauchery. Food you don't need a- any other time of your life. Deep fried Oreos, deep Everything. fried sandwiches, yeah. butter sculptures, women with six kids from yes. five different guys. Yes, yes. It just pure Americana. <laughs> All on display right there. <laughs> All on display. Wine slushies. Do I need to say more? It's no. fantastic. I agree with that. Complete indulgence at its finest. Uh, I do think another best of Syracuse is how diverse it is. It's a very diverse city. It is. Especially in the city. Uh Uh-huh. Like when I grew up on the north side, we had neighbors from Vietnam. We had neighbors. we We had black and Asian. We had a whole mix of people in our neighborhood. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful I went to Henniger because it was a very mixed school as well. That's true. Yeah. When you get out to Manlius and Fayetteville, it's, it's a little quite white. as diverse. A little bit more white. <laughs> but I think it is a diverse city. And then the other thing that I think is one of the greatest aspects of Syracuse, New York, that you don't see really anywhere else in the country, houses that turn into bars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's one, I can't, I'm going to think of the name of it, that I went to for years on the, on the west side over near in Fairmount. It was like, it was a guy's house that he got a liquor license for. <laughs> Or maybe he didn't. But the, who knows? Nobody, nobody asked. No, and I mean Coleman's for all you know, it's legendary here in Syracuse. But way, way back, it was. It looked like a guy's house. Yeah, and it's grown into this beautiful, you know, tradition in in Syracuse. There's a lot of places on the north side, like even change of pace. When you stand back, yeah. it's a house. <laughs> it's a house where people cook chicken wings yes. and play quick draw. I know your dad lost a lot there at quick oh, draw. He lost a <laughs> oh my! I have to tell you the funniest thing. So my dad's watering hole is a change of pace. You yeah. know that. Anybody listening kind of knows because we've talked about it. So after my dad died, we had a little party. I got, can you call it a party? Yeah, a celebration, a celebration, of life, gathering, or whatever gathering, a, a post. Gathering. Yeah, and, and those are important. They you are. Know, they are. It's a you know it helps you uh, say goodbye and, and helps you connect to the fact that they're no longer with you. You have to have those those. Um, Rituals and and traditions. Yeah. So we're at the change of pace. And my dad would, when he was alive, would oscillate between my sister and I borrowing money. (laughs) He'd call me one week for 200 beans. He'd call my sister the next week. And her and I would coordinate. Like, (laughs) did dad call you this week? Sometimes he hit us up twice in the same week. Because he's that one more and he's going to win that big one. Oh, God. He would even gamble with his daughters. (laughs) He was such a freaking mooch. So uh, he would, he would lose a lot of money playing quick draw anybody who doesn't know what quick draw is it's a it's how do you describe it? it's a bar it's a it's a it's a like a, a in new york it's part of the new york state lottery gaming you know it's just like scratch offs and you know and, and mega and powerball but it's one they play it like every four or five minutes <laughs> and you play it you know bars have it some stores have it but you can go to the bar and get like a little it's like it's kind of like kino yeah exactly it's like kino only a digital you know and then if, if, if you're looking at the TV screen for the quick draw, it'll say next drawing in like, you know, three minutes and 18 seconds. It has a countdown. With a countdown. 
so you could scratch off your, you know, if you if you're picking five numbers, give it to the bartender who hate quick draw. By the oh, way, they hated it <laughs> because they're now they're not pouring drinks and getting tips. They're like playing quick draw with yep. people. And then you you know put two bucks in or five or whatever you're you know putting you know you, then you get your it looks like a lottery ticket and then no more bets and you watch the TV screen and it starts like a ping pong ball looking thing starts dropping on the numbers. It's Vegas for homeless people. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's it's Vegas for poor people. My so my dad would play that often and he would hit us up for money and it was an ongoing joke and my dad like. As you know, because you knew him, he was a character. Absolutely. And if you didn't love him, there's probably something wrong with you. Because <laughs> he got along with everybody. He did get along with everybody. He had this personality that just made him. He was affable. He was an affable human. Absolutely. And um, so you know, he was a character at the bar. He had his own language, and <laughs> he just was, you know, an amazing human being. So we're at the gathering after he passed away, and it's just me. It's myself. Um, my friend Tia and her boyfriend. And before we go, I'm like, I want to play quick draw. Let's play quick draw. Yeah. You know, like a I little mean, dad's honor. Send here. dad off with a little quick draw. I'm the last one there. It feels right. Yep. I play quick draw and I win two times in a row. No. Yes. 20 no. bucks each. 20 beans. Probably more than my dad ever. had won ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not nearly chipping off the debt that he wow. probably owed <laughs> to my sister and I, but... It felt, and I kept the money. Good for you. Was that kind of emotional? It was. I was like, oh my he's God. here. He's here. Things or like he's not because he was so unlucky. <laughs> he's so at we, the wrong bar. Yeah. <laughs> he was whispering the numbers into someone else's ear <laughs> at Coleman's. Like, Dad, you're at the wrong bar. <laughs> Leave it up to my dad to only become a winner in death. <laughs> but when things like that happen, doesn't it, doesn't it kind of give you hope? It does. It I mean, really for does. Real, regardless of what someone's beliefs is, it's, little things like that happen. I think often enough where it it makes you think there's something else going there, on. Yeah, it really does make you go, "Is there something else? Is there something else to all of this?" Because yeah. what are the chances that I decide to stay? The I'm the last yes. one. I decide to play, and it, he actually we win. Yes. And um, and what are also the chances that I'm not a complete gambling degenerate like him that I didn't stay till three in the morning? Like just one more, one more, keep the game going. <laughs> I feel hot on this next one. <laughs> he was uh, unbelievable. He really was. But you know, we were talking about bars and houses. So th- those are my three best: the fair, the fair, the yeah. diversity, and that bar houses. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, when, when, I don't know about you, but when I travel, if I'm wherever, and you say, like in cabs, I'm trying to think, I was in a cab, went to Las Vegas once in a cab, pre-Uber and all that, you know, yeah. bringing me to the whatever hotel was, and just chatting with the guy, and, and I said I was from Syracuse, you know, the things that other people from around the country think of, you know, SU basketball. Yep. Uh, snow. Oh, Yeah. Those are those are like two things. Oh yeah, things. that's huge. We didn't mention snow. I know snow because I'm, I'm thinking of other people from outside the area when they hear about Syracuse, and that's what they think. That's of. right. So it's snow and SU basketball, and that, there's not like a third. But Domestic those, abuse. Yes, there you go. That's the one. <laughs> not funny. It's that's not the, funny. No, that was what they call a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have my three worst for Syracuse. Okay. Obviously, number one. Yes. What do you think number one is? Uh, the worst part of Syracuse. Um, 
We're right near it. We're right. Uh, the the Onondaga Lake. Yes. <laughs> this city would be such a different oh, city. Man. I always think about that. Water brings clean water brings wealth. Absolutely, it does. Look at Skinny Atlas. Yes, or they're, they're, Casanova. Look at Casanova. Or... They act like they're so good. Your water's clean. That's it. That's... <laughs> okay? Your sidewalks are clean because your waters are clean. Where there's clean water, there's a clean city. There is something to that. And I agree so, with that. Onondaga and it's Or just, you know, even going way, way back, all in hindsight, but had they not filled in the Erie Canal. Oh, interesting. Back when it was... Because that's what you did. I don't blame anybody for it. But in hindsight, if that was still... Go, like parts of Rochester, the Erie Canal is still there, like in Fairport. Yeah. So boaters come through, they 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 dock up and they go to restaurants and go to bars and then get in the boats and, and go on through. If that was still going through downtown Syracuse, because that's that, that would have been down near Clinton Square. That would have been amazing. It would be a port still, city. Absolutely. It was all hindsight, obviously. Right. Not a port city, but like a city that people yeah, would travel stopped, through. Yeah, you travel through it and, and stay on the canal system. That one, you know, I don't blame anybody for, but the lake, you got to blame because that, just, that was just nonstop pollution of mercury and, and sewage. Chemical and waste. Chemical waste. And, and probably worse things. A couple two tree bodies have couple been tossed two tree, in there. Like Lake Mead, you know, it's gone down so far. They're finding bodies that were thrown overboard. I wonder, I, I never looked this up, but I wonder where does Onondaga Lake fall in dirtiest lakes? It, you know what? At in one the world. point, when I was much younger, it was like the the most polluted inland. They called it that even. I think the most polluted inland body of water in America at the time. And I will say, once they stopped polluting it, and the Honeywell Company, which was responsible, cleaned it up. It's not as bad. It's good to see people out like boating out there. Yeah, it says now. Swimming was banned in 1940 and fishing in 1970 because yeah. of pollution control efforts, which began in the 70s and more recent cleanup. The lake is now cleanest it's been yes. uh, in over 100 years. But then right below it, it says, what's the dirtiest lake in New York State? And it's on a dock. It's baby steps. Oh, my God. I think baby. we're in the top 10 most polluted lakes in the United States. Still? Even though it's clean as it's been in a hundred years, it's wow. still. Oh. oh my gosh, the most polluted lake in the United States is Onondaga Lake in Central New York. Is that what it says? Yes. Still? Yes. Oh. What year is that? Is that Wikipedia? Okay, <laughs> let me see what year. We got to edit point. that. Twenty twenty two. No. Well, wow. it's now you know technically the end of the year. Yeah, so maybe this we can update this <laughs> next year. I'll keep refreshing the page and see if it changes. I remember going to the regatta and watching the, you know the the crew, the college crews. Dude, I don't know if you remember that, but no. there was a big event on Onondaga Lake. It was the regatta. It's called you know it was a collegiate. It would be Syracuse and mostly like Ivy League type. You know, like Princeton and Brown University and oh wow, the and Naval Onondaga Academy. Lake. Yeah, and they and they crewed. You know the the rowing. With I a big, kind of remember this. What year was it? What it was years? a long, you know, when I was really young when they were still doing it. They probably stopped doing it. Okay, maybe I don't remember it then. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. That, okay, you then know. I'm thinking of something completely different. But, probably just people fishing and risking their yeah. children's lives. <laughs> but like the, um, when the, the, the winner, they would throw the captain of the team in the lake. That's like a tradition at regattas. Like, hey, the winning captain. Remember... Whenever this guy would get thrown in a lake every year, everybody would be like, holy jeez, I can't believe they're throwing a guy in there. <laughs> they would just pull out his skin because his bones had evaporated from the inside out. Oh, and that was back gosh. before they started cleaning it up. It was um, 
it, to me as yeah. a kid, it was such a tease to be able to be around the lake, but not in it. Yeah. And I always thought, because there's a, the parkway around there, which is really nice. It's gorgeous. The park around it is beautiful. And they're, and if you've been around it in a while, but they're, they're they call it Loop the Lake, you can yes. literally, right now even, go three quarters of the way around the lake on trails, which are beautiful. Maybe that's the key. Maybe if we all loop the lake as a society, as, a, as, a, as an entirety, like the whole population of Syracuse, and create like a whirlpool... Yes. And then we can get the lake to to evaporate <laughs> up into the clouds. And, and start they, over. And then start over. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so lake is number one at yep. the worst. Number two is a love-hate that I think everybody has in this area is the weather. Yes. And I yeah. don't understand. Maybe you can tell me, Gomez. And I am a person who escaped when I was 18. But as you know, I yeah. come home all the time. Yeah, you're here. I love Syracuse. How many times do you... I mean, obviously the holidays you come home usually right. and you do some shows locally but during the during the rest of the year you're, you're still back every now and then i am with my sister and the kids i come home you know i try to make it a point to come home on the holidays and i book my tour now to be more east coast so i can dip in for a couple days and and get back to the west coast but i don't understand how people choose to stay in this weather <laughs> it's, it's a level of self-hatred that it's a fresh you know it in some people wear it like a badge they do. You know, it's like, uh, I've been here 40 years and I've never called it, you know, never couldn't get into work. Yeah. I just leave early and, you know, and, but it is, it's awful. But, you know, then I have relatives who live in Florida, but they also have been hammered by a couple of hurricanes the last right. couple of years. So it's like, okay, I'll take the snow over a hurricane because at yeah, least I my guess my house is still there. That is a point. My sister says that. She's like, well, we don't have hurricanes. We don't have tsunamis. We don't have all of these. We don't have that. I mean, don't say it yet. We saw, you know. The day after tomorrow with Dennis Quaid. We know how quick this can yes, flip. It can just, it almost did last week in Buffalo. Oh my gosh. Look at that, you know, that blizzard and, and the temperatures around here dropped like 30 degrees in, in like, you know, five hours or whatever it was. And now it's like 60 degrees outside. Beautiful out here. And, and you know what? Beautiful yeah, it's out. fucking gorgeous. <laughs> Everyone, whoever's, tell Greta Thunberg to yeah. shut up. Shut up. Shut up about global warming. It works for us in the snow belt. It's, you know, I mean, and it's not probably 20 years ago when he started talking about that, you know, global climate change and global warming. And there was an article that said it's somewhere down the road, however many years, weather in Syracuse, and they happen to use Syracuse, New York, is, is, the, is the point for this article. The weather in Syracuse, New York will be the same as Daytona Beach, Florida. But I remember reading that going... All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, let's just chill. Let's just chill. Why I mean, are we going to leave? <laughs> we don't need to go anywhere. Let's just yeah. wait for us to slowly yes. burn. Let's wait for burn. us to just it's gonna incinerate. Be great. Let's enjoy it. It's going to be <laughs> Daytona? What? Who wouldn't sign up for that around here? Yeah, it's like everyone's right? being slowly uh, <laughs> cremated. Yeah, a little at a let's time. Let's just wait for the global warming cremation just station. Just wait for it. And then It'll like, be great. Kind of like the lake, just re reboot it. Yeah, we're just going to restart just it. Just start, reboot. Um, but it is no the, the the weather and it's and for a lot of people it's not the yeah it's the snow obviously but the, going back to the gray I keep going back to the skies are always that color so great my my feature this weekend is Kalia McNeil one of my friends who's a hilarious comedian she said I was so excited to you know I'm we're on the plane landing in Syracuse and sunny blue skies and it's gorgeous and I'm I'm just really thinking about the weekend and then we got below the clouds yes and then we landed in Syracuse it did. and it was gray. It's, I've always compared it to the uh, end of, or no, not the end, but uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, when they're coming from color, and then all of a sudden it's black and white at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's Oz. 
But now you're back in Kansas. And it's like, when she wakes up, it's all in black and white and gray again. It's like, that's Syracuse. That's landing at Syracuse Airport. And maybe maybe it gives people a reason to day drink. Yes. You know, it's like, you know what? We day drink here. We day drink proud because it's gray. Yes. It's cold. It's miserable. And my dad just turned his house into a bar. <laughs> and you can come on over. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, there's so much more I wanted to talk with you about. I guess we're going to have to make it a part two. Yeah, we'll do a part two because this is fun. This, this is, is a lot this of is fun. Good stuff. You're well, a natural. You should try this for, for work. <laughs> was there a third? Like you had two things. or was Oh, there yeah, a... that's right. Thank you. Good. Yeah. See, this is why you're good at what you do. <laughs> you're concise and you wrap it all up. You're all about yeah, buttoning. That's right. Very good. Uh, I've noticed that about you. You're a good buttoner. <laughs> Best in the biz. The third. Okay. Worst. The worst thing about Central New York. The accent. The accent. The accent. It's, you yeah. have it. Do I? I? Uh, not really. Well, you don't. Listen to us both. No, you don't have no, it. No, there's no, you know, no accent. You know, we're gonna go over to Camilla's Plaza. Yeah, you guys want to go shopping at the mall? <laughs> when I'm away. I need from, a new car. Uh, you guys want a car? You guys want to get a car? <laughs> we gotta go to the auto, the auto mall and get a car. Go get a car at the auto mall. Yeah, the R is from way back in the throat. It's it's car. From, yeah, it's from way back in someone else's childhood. Yeah. that R is coming from. Yeah. And when I'm traveling, like <laughs> anywhere outside of this part of the country, they're always like, "Are you from Minnesota?" I get in Minnesota. It, I get Wisconsin. Yeah. And in Canada. There's a little bit of all of that. There really is. You know, and uh, I actually, and this was like one of those, I was, it wasn't day drinking, but I was home and I'd had a couple of glasses of wine and I started wondering. I like, think that's day why drinking, is that? Yeah. <laughs> So I actually researched it and it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, but I was in my dad's house. I was in my own. <laughs> I wasn't day drinking, but I was home. I was home. And I had had, I had a, a couple half a of bottle of wine, wine and it was 10 a.m. But that, it's a different, what you're thinking is different than what I was doing. That there's a lot of people in the history that came up, going back to the Erie Canal, Yeah, went through the Erie Canal and they were all Slavic, you know, from their background, from Germany, from Scandinavia, from that part of the world who were coming to work in like the steel mills and places around the Great Lakes. So a lot of the people, Syracuse, Buffalo, you know, Wisconsin, you know, Duluth, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, any of those places Chicago. like, I have a little bit of that, that accent that thing. Accent. And it's, it's a flat kinda, E. It's a flat A, and it, is sound, it does sound Canadian. It's a little, a little bit. it's a hard on the ear. It is. <laughs> it's a little difficult it's, on the ear. But don't you love it though? Like when you're, if you've been out traveling, you've been in Los Angeles, you've been on a TV show, you've been in Vegas, maybe you were in New York City, and you come home and you go to your favorite, you know, change of pace, and there's there's a gal working behind the bar who has never left three blocks from her house and is just coming in from a smoke break outside and says, "What do you have, sweetheart?" <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm home. I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> We're all out of that. I can get you a pap. <laughs> a pap. I get you a want pap. a blue? A little blue or a pap or a UC. You want an OV split, huh, hon? <laughs> yeah, oh I got my gosh. three beers. Okay, that'll be uh, $3.75. Yeah, you have a good morning. You have a good morning. Enjoy your morning because it's 11 a.m. Uh. <laughs> Jesse, we'll do a part two. We'll do a part two. I love Definitely. you so much. This, this is, is so much fun. fun. I didn't get to any of my notes. Like two lines of them. <laughs> okay. I should have known. We'll do it again. We'll and look do at it, it again. I'm a button guy. It's exactly one hour on the button right there. 
pros. There it is. Pros. Jesse, thanks. Love you. Love you too. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.